The views expressed are not necessarily the opinion of KSCJ Radio and should not be constructed directly or indirectly as an offer to buy or sell any securities or services mentioned herein. Investing is subject to risks, including loss of principal invested. Past performance is not a guarantee of future results. No strategy can assure a profit nor protect against loss. Please note that individual situations can vary. Therefore, the information should only be relied upon when coordinated with individual professional advice. Securities and investment advisory services are offered through Woodbury Financial Services Incorporated, member FINRA SIPC. Insurance offered through Sterk Financial Services, which is not affiliated with Woodbury Financial Services Incorporated. Neither Woodbury Financial Services Inc. nor its representatives provide tax or legal advice. You should consult a qualified attorney or tax professional to answer your specific questions. Sterk Financial Services is located at 350 Oak Tree Lane, Suite 150, Dakota Dune, South Dakota, 57049, and can be reached at 605-217-3555. This is Money Guide with Mary Sterk from Sterk Financial Services. Now, here's Mary Sterk. Welcome to Money Guide with Mary Sterk, and today's topic is must-know tips if you have a $500,000-plus portfolio. With me today, I have certified financial planner, Kelsey Banky. Good morning, Kelsey. Good morning, Mary. And here's the thing about this particular topic is that not all of our listeners have this much in a portfolio, but I will tell you that based on the people who contact us and reach out that tell us that they've listened to our podcast and to our radio show is that the majority of you do. And so we wanted to do a special topic about this because the truth of it is that larger portfolios have some different needs. And if your needs of this type are not being taken care of, then it's something that we want to draw your attention to. So when you think about larger portfolios, there are two different and distinct types of portfolios. You have something called qualified money and you have something called non-qualified money. So, Kelsey, share with us what the difference is between qualified and non-qualified money. Sure. When you hear qualified or non-qualified or anything like that, we're, we're talking about how the investment is treated from a tax perspective. So, if you um, get special tax treatment on something, whether it be something that's tax-deferred or something that is tax-free earnings, in um, you know a certain number of years or something like that, those would be qualified um, investments. So, so any type of IRA, Roth IRA, 401k, anything like that is a qualified account. Mm-hmm. Non-qualified assets are those that are just you know standard tax treatment. You pay taxes on the investment uh, earnings and the year that they're earned, um, and then the the cost basis is the amount that you put in or anything you've already paid taxes on. So, two different sides of the uh, tax world. However, um, you can have a qualified or non-qualified investment in almost every kind of of investment strategy that can be out there, investment account. So just because you have a brokerage account or an annuity or a um, managed account or things like that, that's the type of investment. Qualified versus non-qualified is talking about how are the taxes treated. Right. So you can have a 
qualified annuity and you can have a non-qualified annuity or you can have a qualified brokerage account or a non-qualified brokerage account. But one of the things that's unique for portfolios that are larger, that are over a half a million dollars, is that on the non-qualified side, your tax coordination starts to become way more important than at smaller dollar levels. And the reason for it is that the tax ramifications that can be kicked off of a non-qualified account are a bigger ramification because it's a bigger dollar amount. And one of the very shocking statistics is this. According to Barron's magazine, investors give up approximately 1.2% a year of performance to a lack of tax management inside their larger portfolios. Now, 1.2% might not sound like a giant number, but take that times 10 years (laughs) on a half a million dollar portfolio. Now you're talking about over $50,000 of lost returns just because there wasn't the appropriate amount of um, coordination done on the tax side of managing non-qualified investments. Yeah, and it's, it's... It's something that you can manage to some degree. So um, you can't manage it if you're not paying any attention to it. <laughs> That's for sure. Right? So, um, and, and, you know, if, you, if you're paying taxes on your money, it's it's likely that you've made money. You know, you're paying taxes on earnings. However, there are some things that can be done in your account that can, that can help um, bring down the amount of earnings that you have. And um, maybe not every year. Maybe if the market's just fantastic and every single thing's good, then, then you might not be able to do that. <laughs> However, um, in in many years, there's things you can do about it, but you're not. it's not something that happens automatically. It's something you have to intentionally um, do or have your advisor look into for you. All right. So one of those strategies that you would want to be doing, especially in a non-qualified account that's $500,000 or more, is something called tax loss harvesting. And tax loss harvesting is something that's typically done in the last two months of the year. And basically what it means is this, that throughout the course of the year, you may have triggered something that is going to be a taxable gain. So you might have sold a holding that resulted in a capital gain, or your if you have mutual funds or ETFs, those might have distributed a capital gain that you don't have any level of control over. Now, Kelsey, when would you say that the most frequent time is that capital gains are kicked off in these type of accounts? Every company can do them, you know, differently and and the investment companies can do them differently, but they most often are falling in the fourth quarter sometime between the middle of October and usually the middle of December, which is a pretty big window, Um, but most often they're giving you a heads up that those are coming or you have some some time to react if you want. Not always. I've seen some where they said, hey, last week we kicked out a capital gain. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Which that doesn't really help us with trying to plan for things. But most companies out there are giving you some kind of a schedule or a heads up that, you know, a larger capital gain could be possible. Now, why does this matter? So let's say that you have a portfolio that's a half a million dollars and all of a sudden you're 
totality of what kind of capital gains have kicked off without you having any control over is that you've had 10% distribution in capital gains across the board. That is a $50,000 capital gain and your capital gains tax rate is probably going to be somewhere around a 20% capital gains tax rate. Now you have a $10,000 tax bill. And that's why we're saying that this tax loss harvesting is important. So what tax loss harvesting really is, is looking at the history of the account for the year, looking at what the gains have been or what are anticipated to be. Because as Kelsey said, a lot of the companies will give us a heads up of what they're anticipating from a percentage that are going to be kicked off and when. And then what you do is you look at the different holdings that you have to see if anything else that you're holding has an actual tax loss. Why would you do that? Because tax losses can wash tax gains and reduce the amount of actual tax that you're going to owe when it comes time to pay the piper. So if you have kind of a dog of a holding and all of a sudden you realize, well, if I sell that, I could do a $5,000 capital loss. It might make sense to sell that and take the loss to eliminate $5,000 of capital gains that have kicked off inside your account. And then you have a zero net tax ramification where your losses have washed your gains. If you're not doing that, if your advisor is not talking to you in a portfolio above a half a million dollars, if they're not looking at that on a regular basis for you, that should be something that you have a conversation about or you think about contacting a different advisory firm that has more sophisticated methods in place to be looking at the tax management for you. Now, there's also different kinds of accounts that are considered to be tax managed. And those type of accounts are ones where um, the holdings in them are ones that typically don't kick off a lot of capital gains. And the advisor can kind of put it on autopilot. So Kelsey, tell us a little bit about some of those types of accounts. Well, you can have accounts in a, as, as a whole that are trying to manage the, the capital gains. Um, or you can have individual investments that are better at doing that. So like... Um, municipal bond funds, for example, um, have special tax treatment on and things like that and in the fact that they're federally tax-free if they're um, a certain kind. So there's there's things like that, and then there's certain types of investments that are just less likely to kick off um, a lot of gains or dividends, and, and just knowing which ones those are and how to look for them is important. But Really working closely with your advisor and getting their expertise because there's a lot of moving pieces to this this kind of strategy in the fact of how do you redeploy the, the capital when you sell something. There's rules on what you can do and what mm-hmm. you can't do. And, and how fast pay, you can do it. Exactly. Yeah. And you need to pay attention to that. Otherwise, all that work you did would be for nothing. There's also strategies to avoid some of the situation altogether. And so when you get into larger portfolios, and now I'm talking about the ones that are multi-million dollar portfolios. But if you have over a million or $2 million in a portfolio, then you may want to step away from the idea of holding so many mutual funds where you cannot control the capital gains distribution and step into your own portfolio of stock holdings managed effectively for you because then you don't have the same type of capital gains distribution from a stock portfolio as you do from a mutual fund 
or an ETF portfolio. So, but there has to be enough money in an account and there has to be a high level of sophisticated tax management happening in there for that to be a strong idea for a larger portfolio. Correct, because you'd be giving up, you know, shifting from a, a portfolio of mutual funds to a portfolio of individual stocks you would be giving up some level of diversification because you'd be going from a bunch of positions that have multiple stocks within them to, you know, individual stocks. And not that that's a bad shift. You just need to understand that shift. Um, and there's, there's pros and cons to every strategy. Exactly. All right. When we come back, we're going to talk about a few more must-know tips if you have a $500,000 or more portfolio. Now, back to Money Guide with Mary Stirk. Call 605-217-3555 or see them online at sterkfinancialservices.com for more information. Here's Mary Stirk. Welcome back to Money Guide with Mary Stirk. And today we're talking about must-know tips if you have a $500,000 portfolio or more. Now, I'm going to hop in here for just a second because this is a big weekend. <laughs> Labor Day. It is. Labor Day weekend. I hope everybody's out enjoying um you know, whatever summer is left. This is the unofficial <laughs> end of summer. Um, and all the kids are back to school and things like that. And here in uh, Siouxland area is starting to cool off um, pretty significantly. But it's also today is a very special day in the fact that it's Mary's birthday. <laughs> Woohoo! <laughs> Woohoo! Happy, Happy birthday. birthday to me. Happy birthday. <laughs> Thank you, Kelsey. You're welcome. All right. For my birthday, I'm going to give everybody that's our listeners a gift if they would like it. We are going to give away a free portfolio x-ray report. Now, a free portfolio x-ray report is something that is incredibly effective if you have a larger portfolio, like what we're talking about today. So an x-ray report is something that is looking for concentration. And here's what I mean. Most of the time when you have larger portfolios, if you have half a million dollars or more in your investments, you probably have multiple pools of money. So you probably have a 401k, maybe an IRA, you have non-qualified brokerage accounts, annuities, things like that. So most of the time when people come to us, they have multiple pools of money kind of scattered around in different places. And what an x-ray report is, is that we look at the actual holdings across all of those different investment accounts to see where you have duplication. So for instance, you might see that in four different accounts, you have all different mutual funds, but those mutual funds might be investing in a whole bunch of the same stocks, and you don't necessarily realize that the same stock is represented in this in all four of your accounts as heavily as it is. So this is where we can look for duplication and where we can look to see if one particular mutual fund you have is almost identical to another mutual fund you have, and so all Although it looks at the surface like you have diversification, you really, in fact, don't have it. So give us a call. Come out to sterkfinancialservices.com or give us a call at our office. And we'd love to work with you to do a free portfolio x-ray report. All right. So another thing that's important to know if you have a $500,000 portfolio is that you have a unique ability with larger dollar amounts to consider doing something that is socially responsible or where you can carve out a portion of your portfolio to kind of do some restrictive screening in terms of the holdings that you have. 
So a lot of people don't realize this, but there there are a lot of um, programs and opportunities out there for people to invest um, not just diversification among, um, you know, th- that we would normally do, but take it a step further and either invest in things they specifically want to be invested in or invest in funds that don't invest in things that they don't want to be invested in. <laughs> yeah, we call them sin stocks. <laughs> and there's there's several um, types of, of investments out there, and, and there's mutual funds specifically that, that do this, whole companies that focus on um, one area or focus away from certain areas. And, and there's – it's – it's it's its whole market on its own, um, and so you have the opportunity to do that. Now, um, you can you can choose to do that with your whole portfolio, or you can choose to do that with a part of your portfolio or part of your money. There's there's a lot of different ways to do it, um, but that is that is an option that's out there. There's also other investments outside of mutual funds that can do similar things like this as well. Those tend to be reserved for larger portfolios because again you're you're concentrating your investment in something very specific as well as the liquidity can start to be an issue mm-hmm. um, and and not that liquidity is um, forever gone it's not like that it's just if you need that money very quickly to live on then that's not an appropriate investment for you at that point so again, Lots of different ways of doing things out there, but the the bigger your portfolio grows to, the more opportunities open up to you um, where things become possible. And if you've never talked about that, that's something to consider looking into. When Kelsey's talking about things that become possible, there is a level of investments that are available for what's called an accredited investor. So a half a million dollar portfolio may or may not qualify you to be considered an accredited investor. There's usually an income threshold and an investment portfolio threshold, but there are certain things that become available to accredited investors that are not available to people who have lower amounts of money. So it widens up the span of what you can invest in. And as Kelsey he said there are some private type of deals out there that have restrictive liquidity in them, but there's also some things that do have liquid availability, but that you can only get into if you are an accredited investor. So being able to work with someone who understands the nuances of what's needed for larger portfolios is very, very important to be looking for when it comes to selecting your financial advisory team. Okay. Another thing that is very important to know if you have a larger portfolio, half a million or above, is that it's incredibly important to customize your income and the the way you structure your income to have effective tax management on the income side, but also to avoid sequence of returns risk. I think this is the biggest one on our list, honestly. Um, and, and the reason I, I think that is a half a million dollar portfolio or more is a lot of money. But if it's not managed well, and that's money that you're planning on living on, especially in the short term, short term is, is the important piece there, that half a million dollars or more could be gone just like that. Right. If it's not managed well. So what the old adage is, is how do you create a small fortune? You start with a large fortune and you don't manage it well. (laughs) (laughs) We're laughing, but it's so true. It's so, so true. Um, And 
just, you know, two weeks ago, I was working with a, a couple and they said, you know, we've been talking with our, our previous financial planner and, and we don't know if we should be reducing in risk or not, um, in our portfolio. And, and, you know, we're this age, maybe we should start pulling back on our risk and we don't, we don't know when we can retire. And, and just, they had all these questions that they didn't feel like have ever been answered to them before. And through, um, some some planning that we did and some exercises we did we we did identify a, a pretty significant chunk of their portfolio that should be um, reduced in risk however not 100% of their portfolio and right. there's a rhyme and a reason to that and and you don't want to put more money more conservatively than what you would normally invest it any sooner than you need to otherwise you're missing out on the potential upside so there is a balance and there is a a um, a rhyme and a reason to how much you, you do and when you do that. And that half a million dollars could turn into be something way more or could turn into be something way less just depending on if you're taking the right action or not. So when you're talking about customizing your income for tax efficiency, there's a number of different things that you have to keep in mind. So when it comes to retirement planning with these types of incomes, Social Security maximization is important for everybody. But when you get into the larger portfolios, you tend to get into larger income streams as well. And up to 85% of your Social Security can become taxable as part of your income. And so um, there's different things that trigger that 85% to be taxable for you. And so being able to look at the income planning, not only where is the money going to come from, but how do you structure it so that it's the most tax effective is something that's very important when you get into the higher portfolio dollar levels. The other thing is avoiding sequence of returns risk. And so a portion of your money for sure when you're entering retirement should be more conservative, but it's only the portion that you're likely to use in say the next 10 years or so. Any money that is not likely to be used in the next 10 to 15 years, in our opinion, doesn't really have to become conservative so soon because it has time to ride a market cycle down and then back up again before you actually need to use it. So when you have larger portfolios, it's very effective to identify how much money that you have is actually going to be used in the next decade versus how much really does have a longer term horizon than that. And figuring that mix out is exactly how you begin to avoid sequence of returns risk and exactly how you avoid being in a situation like people found themselves in in 2008 where they had to go back to work after they had retired the first time. And we definitely want to see people avoid that. Oh, yeah. If, you, if you're if you done working and you don't want to go back to work, we don't want to see you have to go back to work just from making poor investment decisions. Right. Okay. So those are your tips, your must-know tips if you have a half a million dollar or more portfolio. It's incredibly important to pay attention to your tax coordination. Be looking at tax loss harvesting. Be aware of your concentration through an x-ray report. Know how to avoid distributable capital gains in typical mutual fund accounts. Understand how setting up socially responsible investments uh, can help you. And then customizing your income streams to maximize taxes. Thanks for listening to Money Guide with Mary Stirk.